0: Just like that, Australia have wasted a golden opportunity to seal those ashes uh, in three tests, going down at dreaded Headingley, another nightmare defeat that ground the second time in a row. This one a little bit different, though, compared to the Ben Stokes one of four years ago, but, but ultimately leaves a, a pretty sour taste in the mouth, to be honest. Um, first of all, you want to say congratulations to England. Um, they played well in this test match. And they fought back well from the hole that they were in on day two. I thought the addition of Mark Wood was always going to be a game changer. Uh, Chris Woakes hit the winning runs. He played well, bowled well, took wickets in both innings. Australia treated him like Sir Vivian Richards and AB de Villiers there at times, putting the field back to him straight away. I'll get to that in a sec. Um, but also the credit to Harry Brook. Harry Brook as well. You know he played well and and nearly got England home there. But but. um you know, got them in a good position to win that. So that being said, Australia genuinely blew that test match. And to be honest with you, and you can look back at my videos from earlier in the series on the podcast, I believe this has been coming. Um, you know, the talk of 5-0, completely premature, uh, and also, frankly, almost impossible. Um, when, when the tactic from Australia is to mostly rely on England mistakes. England errors, take wickets against the run of play, sit back, sit back, even against the new batsmen, let them get settled, and then hope they make a mistake and then pounce that way. The law of averages suggests that you're always going to come up short at some stage when you have that sort of tactic, when you're not proactive enough. You know, Pat Cummins, despite the defensive fields, I think he's held his nerve quite well throughout most of the series. And they've played the smarter cricket throughout the series, Australia. Although that's not been too difficult with the way England have played throughout this series, let's be be real. Um, But the ultra-defensive final day left a lot to be desired. I I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, I I was very worried from the first over itself. Five very easy singles uh, to Crawley and to Duckett. Now, with all due respect to those two, they're good players, but they're far from established at test level. I think there has to be a little bit of a mindset change from Australia to try build some pressure with the skillful bowling attack that the team does have against the New England players. You want to build a little bit of pressure against them early, but rather we give them the the deep point, deep mid-wicket. Mate, there were, there was no fielders in shot um, throughout you know, parts of the day. Everyone's out on the boundary, even into the lower order batsmen. Um, that's a bit of a concern like England, they're smart enough. They'll look at that and they'll say, Australia, very willing to be defensive here. We can still score very quickly if we just play the percentages. Now I know they've got, they've got the basketball style of play and they're slaves to that basketball style of play at times, but Australia willing to be very defensive. You can use that to your advantage. And I thought England did that very well today. There was never a, a period at all I felt throughout this whole day's play. Australia built any sort of meaningful pressure. Um, England were always scoring freely. There, wasn't, there weren't enough catches in front of the wicket in particular. Another thing I don't understand with Australia is when... <laughs> it's almost like they forget that there's a second half of the pitch when numbers eight and down walk to the crease. So when number eight walks in, number nine, it's got to be short or nothing uh, and put everyone back. Um, as I said before, Chris Wokes is a very solid bat, but he does not warrant... Everyone on the boundary after 10 15 balls in his innings. What's wrong with the top of off stump? What's wrong with your good length? Top of off stump catches in place. It works for the top six and the top seven. But when the lower order comes in, that goes completely out of the window. It ties it in closely with I think three periods where Australia let this game slip. I'll go back to day two post lunch. England were on the ropes. They were in the mud. They're staring at Ash's defeat in the face, an embarrassing one at that started to feed Mark Wood lots of short stuff, and he hit 24 off eight balls. It sort of lit the fire in Ben Stokes, lit the fire in the crowd, and turned the momentum of the game. All of a sudden, Australia with a lead that should have been close to 100, they finished with a lead of 26. They completely let the momentum slip. It's another episode in this series where the Aussies have just let things slip. Instead of taking control quickly. That's probably another little criticism of Pat Cummins is let's things drift. Let's things drift a little bit. Makes decisions 15, 20 minutes too late. And don't get me wrong, his record in Test cricket is excellent when you look at the raw numbers. But if you're not going to be proactive enough in Test cricket, it would catch up to you. And it did in this headingly Test match. Another key period where Australia let the game slip the same day, this time with the bat, Still had that 26-run lead, one for 60-odd. I thought Marnus was looking the best that he'd looked in the series. He slogs, he slogs sweeps, a delivery to deep mid-wicket out of nowhere. Uh, an unforced mistake. Um, and that, again, just get, puts England back in the test match. Australia had the foot on the throat there and just lifted it. And puts England back in the test match. To add salt to the wounds, Steve Smith, our best player, chips one straight to mid-wicket off Moen Alley again. Um, And I heard Atherton on commentary afterwards saying that the players that came in, including Mowin, contributed with those two wickets of Marnus and Smith. But really, soft stuff. Really soft. And and again, that period there, Australia, I think, got to be more ruthless. When you had England on the ropes like that after a brilliant Mitch Marsh 100, brilliant batting by Travis Head, an excellent first session on day two. To let England back in like that on day two was really disappointing. And then that leads in today. Um, you know, Travis Head did his best yesterday um, in, in in tough circumstances to get us to two fifty. Um, it was always touch and go where, whether that would be enough. I think it was always going to come down to how well you could build pressure today, because this England side they need to feel bad on ball and they need to get going. But one thing I don't understand is why do you make it easy for them to get off the mark? Why do you make it easy for them to get into their innings? Every single Player has got easy singles and twos on offer if they want it. Makes no sense. The hardest time for a player, any player, no matter how good they are, is when they come in on zero. And particularly this England side, if they're zero off five balls, zero off six balls. The pressure's gonna build because it's against their basketball style of play. They need to get moving. So you'd rather try, in my opinion, you'd rather try get them to hit through the gap. Get them to play a good shot for four. If they hit if you if they hit you for four. Through the field, they played a good shot against you. Fair play to them. You're giving them easy singles to point. And I think England have got to be smart enough to realize that Australia are willing to sit back. And I thought England played it quite well today for the most part, particularly Brooke, Particularly Brooke, And I thought Crawley did it quite well as well. They just played the percentages and just rotated strike throughout the day. It was like a one-day international game. England chased the target in 50 overs and Australia set fields all day as if it were and ODI. The ODI World Cup started a few months early for Australia, the way they set their fields. Chris Wokes popped up a few deliveries early in his innings, but no one is even in the TV picture. No one was there to catch it. It's quite remarkable. You need to get wickets to win the game. Now, you'd rather lose the game trying to get wickets than let England accumulate and get easy singles and the occasional boundary to the target. It's quite strange. i finish off this point um, as well, you know, I've been uh, talking about the the field, the field placements and in sort of Cummins' approach and Australia's approach. But I thought the treatment of Todd Murphy uh, today was was quite diabolical. I tweeted about it throughout the play. Mark Taylor, um, he was talking about it quite uh, passionately on commentary that that middle or the or the first session it just needed a bit of a change in pace. So England were just starting to get away a little bit. Um, and it just needed a bit of a change in pace. Try the spinner to the left hander at the time. Ben Stokes was in it at that stage. And um, there was about 130, 140 to win. And the risk was always you're going to try bowl Todd Murphy when there's not enough runs left. Now he bowled him one over before lunch and then one over when there was 30 left to win. Um, I thought given Scott Boland's ineffectiveness, you know, the amount of overs Mitchell Stark had to bowl, Cummins himself had to bowl. I thought there was an opportunity at times there to try Todd Murphy, give him an attacking field, and encourage England to go over the top. They're the ones that are 2 0 down in this series. If you encourage them to play the big shots and it goes wrong for them, that's the pressure they've got to deal with. Um, but I thought if you're not gonna, you know, bowl Todd Murphy when the game's there to be won, why pick him? You know, I hope this doesn't knock the confidence of Murphy, who I rate very highly. Um, you don't go to India and perform that well straight away when you don't have talent. But he should have been bowling when there were 130 left to win, not 30. Again, yeah, some some decisions that were quite mystifying. Um, made it very easy for England, I felt, to chase this target. You, with these tactics, you're going to need 350 on the board to feel safe at least, rather, rather than 250. Um, in the end... You know, we felt that um, Australia were a little bit short in their second innings, maybe 30, 40 runs short. It proved to be the case. So England, 2-1 now, off to Old Trafford. And look, this series is well and truly alive. Not since the 1930s has a team come from 2-0 down to win the Ashes. There's still a fair way to go before that happens, but Australia are going to have to lift their game. You know, we're going to need more from Marnus with the bat, more from Smith. Um, More from Warner, of course, as well. But particularly more proactiveness from from Cummins, the captain, and the think tank in the the Aussie team. Because if you keep giving England uh, leg-ups and you keep trying to rely on their mistakes, I think it'll uh, eventually catch up on you. So, anyway, it is what it is. Congrats to England. Another brilliant test match. Off to Manchester for the fourth.